I know I've experienced a lot of in my life, and I feel like I've heard just differing degrees from a number of people um, throughout the years. And it's this, um, why do I feel so much emotional distance from God? Um, why do I feel so much emotional disconnect with God? Um, I'm supposed to have this relationship with Jesus, and yet it just, my emotions don't always feel very engaged. And I know for the longest time, I've lamented to my dad a number of occasions of, of, yeah, I know all this stuff, I believe it, I just don't feel it. I don't have strong emotional ties. Um, my heart is not just erupting from my chest with love for God or feelings of being loved by God. And uh, I've just always, man, I've just always been kind of baffled by this in my own life and really struggled with this. And again, not that I, uh, I again, some of my history, I'm very much, uh, probably why I struggle with it was because I'm a class A uh, emotional suppressor. <laughs> uh, for the longest time in my life, emotions just got in the way of doing what I was supposed to do. And so I just pushed them to the side and they didn't matter. And I thought I was being really mature in that regard by just pushing them down. And really as I grew older, I realized no, that was the immature thing. And the mature thing was to deal with them and to understand them and to process them in a healthy, mature way. And so, um, again, I, I get to talk about emotions, and I'm excited to talk about emotions. And, and as I was preparing this sermon this week, I realized I probably bit off way more than I can chew. Um, it feels like eating an elephant. And so we are just going to take a few bites this morning. And again, um, trying to answer this question, uh, how can we just have emotional engagement, emotional intimacy with the Lord? Uh, emotions are important. They're very much in vogue in our culture, are they not? They are truth-bearing in our culture. And I have, heard, can, I have heard more than one person say, yeah, I just don't really believe in God. I just don't feel it, right? I believe in this truth because I feel it. It feels right. I don't believe in this because it doesn't feel right. We've heard this. We've come across these situations, these conversations. We've come into that. How many of you have experienced, you know what, I just don't feel like reading my Bible. So I don't really read my Bible very much. I don't really feel like doing these spiritual disciplines. I don't really do them that much. Can we agree our emotions are important? Motivation is nice. Desire is nice to have. And we can kind of make two missteps. We can go off the table and just say, kind of like what I used to do, emotions don't matter, so just read your Bible every day. Golly, stop complaining. You know, that used to be me. I used to have really no empathy for people who didn't read their Bible every day because I was like, why not? <laughs> why are you so emotional about this? You should just do it and stop crying about it. That was me. You can go off that. And I think that generally sometimes is kind of the message, and I, don't, I want to pull away from that. I can easily say to a lot of you, you know, just do that. Why are you getting so emotional? Why are you leaning on motivation or desire? Uh, just, just read your Bible and just pray and show up to church and be a part and serve. And golly, leave your emotions at the door. Jeez, I don't want to do that. I think that's immature. I think that's wrong. I also don't want to go on the other side and totally be driven by my emotions and totally be completely compelled by emotions. And I only ever do 
what I feel like doing. So I only ever read my Bible when I feel like reading my Bible. I only ever pray when I feel like praying. I only ever come to church when I feel like waking up early and coming to church. That is also a misstep. I loved uh, Stephen actually mentioned it on Tuesday night in our small group. Jesus perfectly held these emotions and his rational mind um, in this perfect harmony. And I love that because you have the Garden of Gethsemane, the night that Jesus was betrayed, right? He's in Garden of Gethsemane and he is a sweating blood, so, so moved, so uh, you could argue stressed by what is about to happen. And he says, God, take this cup from me but not my will, your will be done. You could argue he didn't want this. His emotions were, yeah, woo, cross, let's go, let's go do it, yeah. No, but he was rationally, his mind knew what needed to be done and what the will of God is, and he followed him. On the flip side, John chapter 2, Jesus cleanses the temple, right? He, he forms the whip, and he's whipping people out of the temple, and he's turning over tables, and the disciples are reminded in John chapter 2 that the zeal for the house of the Lord will consume him. Zeal for the house of the Lord will consume him. So he had emotions. And so this morning we're going to try my best to start having this conversation. Again, there's so much more to be said on this. Golly, oh my gosh, so much more to be said about emotions, all right? That's why we have therapists, right? I mean, golly, this is a huge, a huge subject. And we're just going to be hitting on the tip of the iceberg. But I think there are some things that um, I've come across that I think can really get us going in the right direction with our emotions. And again, I want to address what I'm calling chronic emotional distance. Chronic emotional lack of emotional intimacy with God. So I have two disclaimers. One of those is, we will naturally always go through seasons of our life where we will feel close to God and where we may not feel close to God. That's natural. That's part of the process of discipleship. Man, C.S. Lewis uh, talks a lot about that. I love it. Screw tape letters. He really hits on this big time. That's an excellent book. If you're kind of struggling with that, he will show you, boy, it is the ebb and flow. It is the waves of life. And you're going to feel close to God and you will not. It's a... Uh, Law of undulation or something like that is what he calls it. So there will naturally be times. And I am not trying to give you a quick fix to get out of that season. If you're in the desert, I'm sorry. You're in the desert. And you're going to make it. And you're going to be okay. Keep following him. All right? You're in the desert right now. But again, what I'm trying to identify is I think some people have spent way too long in the desert. Not realizing that there is an oasis right there for them to partake in. And there is so much more intimacy, emotional intimacy, to feel the Lord's love for you, to feel his pleasure, his delight in you, to feel emotional connection to God. It's right there. And again, I say that because I have two very, very, very loving parents. Can you all agree with that? And yet there are still times in my life where I did not feel that love. And you'd say, what in the world is wrong with you, Grant? Yes, you can be in the same room with people that love you dearly and not feel it. Because there's something going on with us. Something going on in our hearts. Something, some barrier that's been put up. We've got to address these barriers. Man. Also, my other disclaimer, I'm not in the business of manufacturing emotions. I am not in that business. I am not trying to give you a, ooh, how to feel more joy in your life. 
That's just not my business. I just don't know how to do that. Once again, for the third, maybe the fourth, and final time, trying to get at why are we feeling and why have some felt chronic emotional distance, a lack of emotional intimacy with the Lord. Trying to identify that, trying to help myself as well as anybody in that boat because we know we need our emotions. To have any healthy relationship with anybody on this planet, your emotions have to be engaged in that relationship. And the same goes for God. So that's what I'm going to try to do. So let's talk about some barriers and some keys, I think, to helping us at least get the ball rolling in the right direction towards this. Again, not a quick fix. Not a quick fix for me. I don't know if this will be a quick fix for you, but golly, any step forward is a step forward and is a great thing. First one, here we go. Be completely honest and brutally open, completely open and brutally honest with God. That is your first point. I had the pleasure of going to uh, Friends University Chapel a couple weeks ago, and uh, A.J. Swoboda was speaking, and uh, uh, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, uh, John Mark Comer quotes, I think he is friends with A.J. Swoboda, and, and it was so shocking of how, like, duh it was, and yet it was like, oh my gosh, this felt so good. And he literally is talking through the Psalms, and he's like, guys, they were brutally honest. Why are you not brutally honest with God? And it's like, oh, yeah, darn, how did I get that wrong? <laughs> how did I get that wrong? Man, be completely open and brutally honest with God. The Psalms are excellent examples of David, the man after God's own heart, expressing frustration, having questions, questioning what is going on here sadness. Man, you have others lamenting about what's going on, not understanding how this could be a part of God's will. Man, you have the full range of emotions being expressed in this one book. And who are we to think we are more spiritual than them, that we do not have to express these types of emotions? We trust God. I don't have to express anger or frustration. I trust God. Man, I did this all the time growing up. Um, I said in my prayers what I thought God wanted to hear. Um, I expressed exactly what I thought God wanted to hear. So I was repentant. I'm sorry. Uh, I won't do this again. Uh, you know, I trust you, God. And, and it was all this weird. It was like Linus. Uh, if you haven't watched The Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown yet, it's October, so get on it. Come on, please. All right? It's a great, great movie. It's wonderful. I love it. And uh, I felt like Linus. Uh, I believe in this thing, and, and I'm hoping for it, and I do believe in it. Uh, but I love, I love towards the end where he says, um, if. And he catches himself. <gasps> I said if. I said if. Oh no, now I won't see the great pumpkin because I said if. And he's lamenting that. And I felt like that in my prayers that if I showed any sort, sort of, ooh, I question God or I distrust God or I show anger or frustration towards God or I don't get this or I'm sad, if I show any of this, then God's going to be mad at me or worse, God's going to take away his blessing from me. 
oh, I like Linus. Yeah. So I couldn't say what I really felt. I couldn't be open. Because I was afraid of God's punishment. Afraid God was going to be like, you know what, man, how dare you? I'm God. You are you. How dare you question me? You ever feel like that with God? How dare you question God? You ever feel like that? You ever feel like you can't say certain things to God? Here, I'm going to give you an extreme example. It's going to really drive home this point. I've been going back and forth all week whether I should say this. I'm going to do it. Here we go. I've always felt like God was very proud of me in this one prayer I gave in high school. Uh, again, like I said, my prayers were very much say what you're supposed to say. That was my relationship with God. And uh, one night, well, I'm a high schooler, high school guy, dealing with lust, right? Pretty common, dealing with that, the full gambit. I'm sorry, God, I won't do it again. I peace. Like, sorry, da-da-da-da-da. And one night, I just had to blurt it out. God, I just love boobs. <laughs> and God was like, finally, Grant. You said something real. You actually said something that was on your heart. You trusted me that you could say something that I thought, I thought God would kill me for saying that. I thought, I'm dead. I'm dead. I'm gone. Like, there goes Grant. Yep, I can't say that to God. Can't say that to God. And I said it, and God has brought that up time and time again in my life. It's our running joke of... Grant, this is the kind of prayer I want. Not this, you know, I God, this is what I want. This is what I want to see you do. Amen. Praise the Lord. No. I want you to express what you really want. Even if you feel like it's completely against your, my will. Even if you feel like it's sinful or wrong or impure. Even if you feel like, like, I don't know. God wants it. You have to be completely open and brutally honest with God. Because that shows you're secure with God. It really tells a lot about where you're at with your relationship with God is how well you can trust him and you can say whatever you want to him. And here's a kind of a second point. It's not really on your outline, but man, I was floored by this. I think God is far more offended when we just appease and say the right words I think he's far more offended when you do that and not really dwell and enjoy his incredible love for you. When you are not just being, just being dumped on by his love and you are not enjoying his love, I think he is far more offended by everything else. He's far more offended by that. Think about it. God is love. 1 John chapter 4. God is love. C.S. Lewis talks about God is so full of love. I mean, he is, he is so filled up with himself that he overflows. And he created this earth. And he created you and I and all these creatures on earth. That the overflow of his tremendous personality and character could overflow and dump on us. Like that, that water park bin that fills up with water and just, and all the kids are under it. That is all of life. And for us to say, you know what, I don't want to be under that, or to say, you know what, I don't need that, God, but I'll give you this pious religiosity where I will, you know, say what I need to say and I'll do this and that, but you know what, keep the water for the kids because I'm above that. Or I don't need that. God, far more offensive to God that you are not enjoying his tremendous love. 
boy. Man, I encourage you. As the song says, boy, he could never love us more than he loves you right now. Man, here's another point. I was reading last night. I stayed up till 1245 last night because I write a lot of my sermons late at night. I'm laying in bed and I'm like, oh, that's a good point. Now I'm 45 minutes down into a rabbit hole that sometimes pays out, sometimes doesn't. But uh, what popped to my mind was uh, Henry Nowen's book, Life of the Beloved. Boy, I think it's been a book of the month. We might have to bring it back. It's a wonder, wonderful book that addresses this very issue. So I'm up reading it. Just, oh my gosh, it's so wonderful. And how much of our emotional kind of atrophy or emotional barriers with God is just self-rejection of ourselves. How much of it is fueled by self-rejection of ourselves? We don't, we don't like ourselves. We're not pleased with ourselves. And so we can't can't believe, can't accept love from God. We have such low self-esteem of ourselves and we just have a hard time. No, i got to make myself better. And I love that gyro song, and I did. I was like, this is so, this song. God's saying, you're enough. You're enough, as you are. I have chosen you, as you are. I say this to my youth and college, you know, young adults. Man, good, bad, ugly. God chose you. Good, bad, and ugly. He loves you with your good, with your bad, with your ugly. And it never will change. Man, never will change. Never will change. I love it. It's so important to be open and honest with God. I think God is kind of like a therapist in this regard. He knows the issue. He just wants you to say it. Right? Like a good therapist. Knows the problem. Knows what's going on. I just need you to confess it. I need you to, to realize it and, and to let it out. And I think so much he wants that in prayer. Golly, so gosh, give God just the open, honest truth. I'm angry about this, God. I'm frustrated by this situation. I hate this. I hate this person. I know your word says love them, but I hate them. Golly, say it. It's not like God, I love A.J. Swoboda, was like, it's not like you ever gave God new information. <laughs> it's not like you ever said something, God was like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that. Hmm, maybe I should do something about that. You know, it's, it's never, not once, not once. So you might as well say it, right? Rather than just pretending that you can hide from God. Man, I think that's going to be so important to bring our emotions into play in this relationship with God, knowing that, boy, he has chosen you, he has accepted you as you are right now, good, bad, and ugly, with all of your baggage and all of your uh, failings and all of your weaknesses and all of your strengths and all of your beauty and all of your wonderful characteristics, he has accepted and chosen it all. How wonderful, how wonderful, man. Yes, man, God is love. Boy, he so much wants to bestow this love and give this love. He is such a giver, such a tremendous giver of this love. And I love this. This came to mind this week. Galatians chapter 4, I believe, and, and Romans chapter 8 talks about how by the Spirit that has been given to us, we cry, Abba, Father, a very intimate name. It does not say by the Spirit we cry, 
or by the Spirit we cry, Father. Hallelujah. By the Spirit we cry, General, Sir. Or by the Spirit we cry, Coach, or Mr. God. By the Spirit you cry, Abba, Father. It's an intimate name. He could have said, yeah, um, CEO, thank you. Uh, you know who you're talking to? And yet he doesn't. Man, because he wants to give just tremendous love to you. Oh, man, may we feel that this morning. Here, we finally get to our passage this morning. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. If you open your Bibles. Oh, I love this so much. Really, verse 21, but we'll back it up two verses just to get the full run-up. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. And here's the verse. Here's the important concept I want to touch on. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In my experience, again, I was wondering why I had such emotional disconnect with God. And I was like, is my heart broken? And I wondered, and I looked into my life, and I reflected, and I was like, do I have emotional connections and attachments and intimacy with certain things in my life? And I was like, I do. I have a dream. I feel very emotional. It's running in the Olympics. It's like, oh, it's just so much of me is in that. It's the life pursued. It's the total life giving of discipline. It's the perseverance. It's the difficultness of the, of the challenge, of the achievement. It's so much me wrapped up, and I think about it, I'm like, oh, that feels so good. My heart's fluttering when I think about that. Man, you know, you guys know I'm single, and I think about marriage, and I'm like, oh, that would be so good. Oh, I can feel it. I can feel it. Oh, that feels, feels like that would be so good. And I'm laying in bed one night. I'm like, God, I have these emotional connections to these things, but why am I not having all these emotional connections to you? That verse popped to mind. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. And it was a little bit of a wake-up call to me, because I think I realized for the first time, maybe I don't treasure God as much as I thought I did. Not that I don't believe in God, not that I don't love God, but I think I have some other things in my life that I treasure more. And, and I don't know if it's a matter of, like, I have this much capacity to treasure things, and I've spent too much of it on these two things, so God gets this little itty-bitty portion of it, so therefore I don't have a lot of emotional, strong emotions to it. I don't know exactly how it works, but I know undoubtedly I have other things in my life that I treasure. And it becomes a matter of, Kind of what Augustine talks about is, what do you treasure most? Your priority list, or he calls it disordered love. You got to get this order right. You got to get it in the right position. And I think undoubtedly we can all realize God's got to be numero uno. God's got to be number one. You know, if I take away a dream of, of the Olympics, you take away marriage, is God enough? Is God enough, as the song Skyler? Is he enough? And golly, completely open, brutally honest. Whew. Healthy. In my mind, yes. 
like obviously I know the answer, you know, of course he is. Do I feel it right now? But I think I've just given my heart to these other things. I've given my heart to these other things, why? That's your last kind of question. What's behind those treasures, those other treasures in your life? What's behind them? Well, I've given to them, check this out. I've given my heart to these other things because they give me life. Right? Don't they? Don't our treasures give us life to some degree? Don't they pull us out of that self-rejection, that self-loathing, that low self-esteem? And if we have this treasure, if we have this thing, then boy, that will just, that will make us finally feel like we're somebody. We have significance. We have value. That will make life worth living. If I just have this thing, if I just do this thing, if I just, whatever it is that you treasure, if I just have it, if I just can do it on a continual basis, then then life will be worth living. Then I'll finally have the happiness or the joy or the whatever I'm looking for in life. Life will have more life to it. It'll be worth living. It'll be God. They become God. Man. Take money, for example. Professional athletes have taught us that a big contract is not just about the money. Right? A number of them. It's a, shine, it's a sign of respect. A number of them have confessed to it. That's why they want the biggest contract. It's a sign of respect. So it's not about money. It's about respect. They want value. And they've attached it to money to give them that value and that significance. You see how that becomes the God that gives them these deep, deep, fills these deep needs inside their hearts for value, for significance, for worth. And they've just used money as that treasure to get that, right? We do this in a whole host of different ways. Man, if I accomplish this big goal, I'll feel like somebody. It'll give me the kind of self-esteem I want. I go after this goal. I treasure this goal. Man, the list goes on and on and on, guys. And yet, what God's word and what many have testified to is that it doesn't seem to pay out as you think it's going to pay out. Aaron Rodgers confessed after winning the Super Bowl, I think in 2010, correct me if I'm wrong, somewhere around there. Aaron Rodgers for the Packers won the Super Bowl, and he's on the bus leaving the stadium, literally leaving the stadium, and the whole bus is a party, and he, they're passing around the Lombardi Trophy, and he literally is like, man, I really hope I do more with my life than just win one of these. How many of us would be like, golly, that would be like the greatest thing in the world to win a Super Bowl, Super Bowl MVP, right? And he's kind of, and granted, Aaron Rodgers, love him to death if he's watching this. Love you, dude. But he's sometimes a little bit of an emotional, interesting person, all right? You know? But I think many Olympians have testified. It's kind of this postpartum Olympic gold medal winning syndrome where many have spent their whole lives winning this gold medal. They've won it, and then they've kind of been like, yeah, was kind of like lackluster. I was surprised by that. That many have confessed to that. And again, to me, I'm like, no way. That would be like the greatest thing. That would be the that would be the thing you're missing in your life. That would make life just so wonderful. Just what are you talking about? And yet they've totally confessed to it. And I think that's why that's why so many professional athletes, you can't just win one, you gotta win two. You can't just win two, you gotta win three. You can't just win three, you gotta win four. You can't just make this amount of money, you gotta make more money, man. 
You can't just have this amount of followers on social media. You've got to have more followers on social media. You can't just have this amount of sex. You've got to have more sex. You can't just have this kind of control or respect. You've got to have more control and more respect. And that keeps going. Because our treasures and our God, is like Augustine says, our hearts, hearts are just running restless until they find their rest in God. My encouragement this morning, have you given your heart to other things, other things on this earth where you are trying to get these deep needs met in your soul, these deep needs? We need to be valued. We need to be significant. We need to have worth. We need love. We need acceptance. Lord, we need someone to love us. Even, even psychology, you're telling us the other day, Nobody can love unless they've been loved, unless even from a secular psychological standpoint. That is unquestionable. And, I'm, and Brent was like, that's, that's Bible right there. That's 1 John 4. Right. Absolutely right. Can't do it. We need those needs met. And we just can't go to these other treasures. We need something that can truly satisfy, something that can truly fill this void that we feel in our hearts. And if we go to God rather than these other things, then I think undoubtedly, eventually, in an unbeknownst amount of time, depending on who we are, I'm sure your emotions will begin to wake up for God. Because now you need him. At one point, he was just kind of a, you know, third on the totem pole, you know, I'll go to these other two to do the heavy lifting for my emotional needs, and God will kind of fill in the gap, fill in the cracks. Take away those treasures, something that will not satisfy you ultimately, and put God in that place, and go to him to fill those emotional needs. And I bet you, I guarantee those emotions for God will start to wake up. I think they will always stay dormant if God is third, fourth, fifth, sixth down the, down the road. They will always stay dormant. And sure, I bet every once in a while you'll feel a little bit more or a little bit less. But you're giving your heart to other things. They have all your emotional capacities. They have it. And boy, go to God. So my conclusion is trade in and trade up. Trade in and trade up. Man, you're making the best trade of your life. No, no catch, no, no hidden motivation. Trade in and trade up. And again, I'll say this too. It's not like God is going to be like, all right, I finally did that. So, you know, Grant, you can never run again. And you can't get married. You know, like, I, I, I highly doubt that, 100%. Some of us may have things that maybe just got to go. But again, you're trained in, you're trained up, that's good trade. But I think it's more like what Augustine would say is you just got to get the order right. Put God at number one, put them in their place, and keep that order. Keep that order. How can we keep that order? I love it. Start with your eyes. Matthew chapter 6, 19 through, through 24 are kind of three ideas and concepts that are kind of interrelated. So you have the treasures in heaven, then it talks about the eyes, the lamp of the body, and then it talks about how you can't serve two masters. 
These are all very much entwined with each other because in the uh, first century and kind of in the Old Testament as well, the eye was kind of this uh, metaphor, if you will. Uh, if you had a good eye, you could see a situation and you could kind of understand what needed to happen. Um, or you could see a need and you filled the need. Um, uh, so having this good eye was kind of, you know, um, characteristic of having a good body, a good soul. Uh, you could see something for what it was and you could react to it. And so again, it's showing you where your treasure is. Don't store for yourselves treasures here on earth. Have a good eye. You see a need, fill the need, because you can't serve two masters. You can't serve God and money. And so if you're stingy, if you're seeing needs and you're stingy, well then you better, you're probably storing up treasures here on earth and you're probably serving God and you can't serve God or you're probably serving money and you can't serve money and God. So these wonderful triads. So to me, kind of take it as, what are you looking at constantly? And what are you looking at in your mind, your, your, in your mind's eye? <laughs> what are you dwelling on a lot of the time? What are you dwelling on, daydreaming a lot? What are you daydreaming about? Are you constantly thinking about, again, these dreams, these hopes, these aspirations, these things that, you know what, if I just have this, life would be great. Are you looking at those all the time? And I would just encourage you, write it down. Or rather, trade in and trade up. And ask the Lord, God, I need you to be enough. I need you to be enough. I'm laying these things to the side. I'm picking up you. I need you to be enough. And I've been praying that all week. And I think that, you know, again, everybody's going to be different. And so I kind of put, ask the Holy Spirit to help you make Jesus your greatest treasure, undoubtedly, undoubtedly, <laughs> undoubtedly. You can't, it's not just, you know, some mental exercises, do this and keep going. No, we need Lord to wake that heart up to, you know, Get that CPR going. And I think he will. He knows how it needs to happen. Boy, you don't have to say the right words in prayer. God knows. He knows what you need. Just be like, you know what, Grant had some points. Can't remember what they were, God, but whatever it was, whatever was good, please do it for me. He's got it. He understands. He knows what needs to happen. Praise the Lord. And then wait patiently. Wait for him to wake you up. And keep going. Keep going. I've really had to back down. I, I can be in my head a lot, uh, especially, you know, I live by myself out of my own house. You know, I go home for the night. I can be in my head a lot. And I've just had to back it down and say, you know what, I'm not going to daydream about what it would be like to be married or to have somebody else in this house or, you know, to, to accomplish this incredible goal. Man, God, I'm just I'm waiting on you to be enough. And I believe you are enough. I believe it, and I hope you believe it too, because I think God's word shows it. And I think there's enough, again, enough, enough data and enough testimonies of people saying, you know what, yeah, I thought when I had this job, it would be enough, and it wasn't enough. And I thought when I'd make this money, I thought it was going to be enough, and it wasn't enough. And I thought when I accomplished this goal, it would be enough, but it wasn't enough. And I thought when I finally, you know, whatever, fill in the blank, it wasn't enough. To trade it in and trade it up for God and say, God, I want to experience you being enough. And I want to experience it, and I need to experience it because I need to have my emotions engaged in this relationship. Because we all do. We all have to have our emotions engaged. It can't just be a mental, a mental relationship. 
with some type of a robot or something. Our hearts have to be engaged. And again, God wants nothing more than to give you that. Wants nothing more to than dump his love on you in every way, shape, and form. But you've got to treasure him. You've got to put him at number one in your life. You've got to put him at the top and go to him when life just feels ugh. Man, don't we all feel that sometimes? Life is just ugh. And again, how do I deal with life is ugh? Man, I'll go watch some TV, I'll go work out, or I'll start daydreaming about my dreams, those things that will make life better if I just get it. Now I've been sitting with the Lord the last week, and I'm saying, God, you've got to be enough. And guess what? I've been like, God, this sucks. I hate sitting here, doing nothing, waiting on this. Because I'm completely open and honest, brutally honest with God. And I'm like, God, this is hard. I'm frustrated. Why is it taking so long? And why can't you just do it like this? Why can't you just be like, just appear and be like, man, I love you. Why, why, why can't he do that? I feel like that's within his power to do that. But he hasn't done that yet. And God's saying, just trust me. We're doing it. We're doing it. Keep walking with me. I'm going to wake these emotions up. Keep putting me at number one each and every day. Man, when you start daydreaming, trade up, trade up. Treasure me. Treasure the Lord this morning. The God of the universe has chosen you. God of the universe is, is a character that wants to just bestow his love and goodness on you. A good, good father that loves you as you are. Man, has so many good things in store for you that works all things for the good of you. Those who love him call according to his purpose. Wants relationship with you. Wants intimacy with you. Wants to satisfy your heart's desires with good things. Man, there's so many good, good things in store for us. If we'll just go to him rather than all these other things. Put them in the right place. Again, not like they all got to go. But just put them under the Lord. And then I bet you'll enjoy those things even more. That's the really cool thing about it. Is now you can enjoy those things even more because now you're no longer going to them for all these emotional needs. But now you can enjoy them for what they are, whether or not they give you anything at all. Man, there's so much here. So much, so much here. But I think you're on the right track this week. If you're completely honest and brutally open with the Lord, and if you're honest with him that, hey, maybe I haven't treasured you, number one in my life, but I'm going to this week, by your help, Holy Spirit, put you at the top, and I'm going to go to you to fill my emotional needs and to wake up my heart and our relationship. And I'm going to wait and keep going, even when it's difficult. I'm going to keep going with you because I value you, God. I value it. I'm going to you for this, not something else. I think you're on the right track with that. I think we're on the right track for emotional intimacy, and that will pay dividends in your relationship, and I think that will help with motivation and desire to, to, to obey God's word, to be about his purposes on this earth, to read your Bibles, to pray, to do all those disciplines. Let's not make it harder on ourselves by not having our emotions engaged, amen? Let's not make it harder on ourselves. Man, let's enjoy the Lord because we can and because he's here. Amen. Hey, if you'll stand with me, we'll close in prayer.
Father God, we are so, so grateful that you are enough, and we believe it. We believe it because your word says it. And now, God, help our emotions to come, come into play with our minds, to come in harmony with our minds. God, for us to experience that you are enough. God, to experience that, boy, you are the greatest treasure of this life. And nothing even comes close to you. And if everything else faded away and everything else was not had, but God, we just had you, boy, God, we would say, man, you have enough. And our needs are met. God, man, we need to experience you, God. We need our hearts to wake up in our relationship with you. We need to feel your great love and delight and acceptance of us as we are good dad. God, we need that, to be able to follow you at all, to really be able to follow you, to obey you, God, to, to be about your purposes, God, to worship you. Man, God, help us, to be, help us to be good followers of you, which probably has more to do with being good receivers of who you are than trying to obey to give something back to you. So God, help us. Help us, Lord Jesus. Help us, God, to wait for it. Help us, Holy Spirit, to persevere and to keep waiting and to keep seeking. Strength does rise as we wait upon you, God. Give us, give us that. Give us the spirit to wait on you, Lord God. God, be enough. You are enough. God, help us to experience that you are enough. Oh, we pray this in your name, Lord Jesus. And we thank you, God, that it's already on its way. And we thank you that we can claim it in your name, Lord Jesus. We've got to walk in it and be awakened to it. Oh, we're so grateful for you, God. It's in your name we pray, Lord Jesus. And we all say together, amen. Amen, amen.